Tiki Hut Media. From Manatee Life Church, a multicultural United Methodist community of faith in Bradenton, Florida, this is Soul Ramblings Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Wicker. I'm the lead minister over at Manatee Life. Today, we will continue our Lenten series, Famous Last Words. Today, we're going to look at when Jesus said, it is finished. We'll head over to the sanctuary in just a few minutes, and our scripture will be from John 19. And each week at Manatee Life Church, part of our worship service every week is reciting the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Every Sunday, we begin this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, with talk of God and heaven and holiness. We then call for the Lord's will to be done and for God's kingdom to come. Next, we get all down and dirty with a plea for our daily bread. And then this prayer gets personal. Forgive us, Lord, as we forgive others. And I believe this line is the most difficult part of this prayer to pray. It's all good and fine to talk about hallowing God's name. It's not even all that hard to ask for God's will to be done. And who wouldn't mind having some extra daily bread? But then all of a sudden, this prayer takes a turn and we ourselves are caught up in it. It's the place where Jesus asks us not just to pray by saying something, but by actually doing something. And the something we are asked to do might be the hardest thing any of us ever do. Forgiveness. It is absolutely and completely outrageous. It runs counter to everything the world ever teaches us. Have you ever noticed how often Jesus forgives people even when they don't ask for it? I'll give you an example. Some friends catch word that Jesus is in town They've got a paralyzed friend, and they drag him all the way to Jesus. They can't get close. The crowd's grown too large. They hoist their friend on the roof, dig through the ceiling, and lower him to Jesus. And what does Jesus say to that paralytic? By their faith, your sins are forgiven. Wait, what? Who said anything about sins? This guy needs to walk. What does forgiveness have to do with anything? Forgiveness isn't just anything. It's everything. The man does walk eventually, but only after being forgiven. It's God's nature to forgive. However, forgiveness is hard for us because it's not natural. It's not part of our nature. We have to be taught to forgive. We share stories of forgiveness such that others might know it is actually possible. A life of discipleship requires training and a community to support us in willingness to forgive and receive forgiveness. That, after all, is why we pray for it. We need God's help in this forgiveness business. We can't do it on our own. So hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners, and that proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. And because you are forgiven, you can forgive others. It won't be easy, but nothing important ever is. Let's head over to the sanctuary for today's sermon, and we'll open up with a word of prayer and recite the Lord's Prayer, and then get into the sermon. Loving and merciful God, 
you have gathered us to worship you, to worship you together as one body. And we remember today that this is your prayer for us as a church, that we may be one as you are one, that we may love one another, welcome one another, lift up one another, and be open to each other. And God, we confess this morning that we have often failed to do that. God, for some of us, this was a long week. Some of us faced trials that seemed overwhelming. Some of us received news that was devastating. Some were burdened by worry and despair. Some of us even now are weighed down by fear and trouble. God, we don't know why we experience these hardships and struggles. And sometimes they cause us to doubt your love and your power. But God, in the mystery of our struggles, we trust that you are here. You are with us. You are closer to us than our very breath. And we trust that your presence is life-giving. So give life to those who are struggling and give hope to those who feel hopeless. Seek and save the lost, O God. And with your life-giving presence, bring us joy that we may celebrate the good in the world, every good gift that comes from you. Help us to be free and to find rest in you. Help us to be people of joy and gratitude. And it is with gratitude that we pray in the strong name of our crucified, risen, and reigning Lord Jesus, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us of our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Scripture reading for the morning comes to us from John's Gospel. The 19th chapter, starting with verse 28, I invite you to hear these holy words. After this, when Jesus knew that all was now finished, he said, in order to fill the scripture, I am thirsty. A jar full of sour wine was standing there. So they put a sponge full of the wine on a branch of hyssop and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the wine, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. O Lord, in the silence of this moment, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day. And work your will in our lives. Amen. Well, welcome to week number three of the series we're calling Famous Last Words, as we are studying the last words of Jesus from the cross. A couple of weeks ago, week number one, we saw that as mankind was doing their very worst against Jesus, Jesus was at his very best when he looked up to his heavenly Father and he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Last week, we studied the cry of desperation as Jesus said, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
This week, we turn to John 19, and this is where Jesus says, it is finished. Now, when Jesus said, it is finished, the Greek word for that phrase is tetelestai, tetelestai. And it can be translated in a number of different ways. It can be translated to end, to complete, or to execute or discharge a debt. In Jesus' day, it was usually used in one of three ways. One was when a servant would return to his or her master after completing the day's tasks and say, I have finished the project, Tetelestai, I have finished the project that you sent me to do. I have finished your work. It was used in a second way when a merchant would put a stamp on a piece of paper, or much like when we get a receipt today, when we go to a store or a restaurant, we get a receipt, much the same way, as a way of saying, Tetelestai, the debt is paid in full. It's completed. You owe nothing more. And it was used in a third way as well. When someone would bring a sacrifice, a sacrificial lamb or an animal before a priest, and that priest would inspect the animal to see if it, if it was worthy of sacrifice. And if the priest found that there was no spot or blemish on the animal, the priest would say this word, tetelestai, as a way of saying, this is worthy to be sacrificed. This animal is perfect. Likewise, Jesus on the cross, knowing that all had been completed, he said, it is finished, tetelestai. The perfect work of Jesus Christ is finished. The servant returning to the master and saying, I've finished the work that you sent me to accomplish. It is finished. Jesus is saying, just like that merchant, now the debt has been paid in full. Nothing more is left. Your sin has been paid for by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. We also see, as he is referred to many times, the sacrificial lamb of God, slain for the sins of the world. And just like that priest, it's a perfect sacrifice. This is the perfect sacrifice. Nothing more needs to be added. Now, when we place our faith in the perfect work of Jesus Christ, it has been finished. Tetelestai, accomplished. The work is done. Jesus did everything that the Father sent him to do. But the word for us today is Jesus has finished his work. We have not. you and I still have some unfinished business. In fact, as long as you have breath in your body, you have unfinished business. So that's our key thought for the day. We have unfinished business. As long as you are alive, God still has, according to Jeremiah 29, 11, plans for you, plans to bless you, plans to prosper you, plans to give you a hope and a future. God has his good and perfect will planned out for you. You you, my friend, and I still have some unfinished business. And I want you to hear this. Jesus Christ died on the cross 
so that you could fulfill your God-given purpose. Jesus said, Tetelestai, it is finished to make it possible for you to fulfill your God-given purpose. And you may ask, like many do, what is God's purpose in my life? How do I fill it? How do I find and live out my God-given purpose? Well, Paul gives us a great answer to that question in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Verses 7 and 8, Paul writes this. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. From now on, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So in verse 7, Paul gives us the answer as to how to fulfill our God-given purpose. First, he says, we must fight the good fight, which is a way of saying disciplining our lives to Christ. Disciplining our lives to Christ. To fight the good fight means you're determined to follow Christ and to live your life to honor Jesus Christ. Paul faced a lot of struggles and challenges, and yet he refused to let any of those things keep him from seeking and doing his God-given purpose. Paul writes, I have fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith. Paul is saying that he had lived like a faithful soldier. He had volunteered to serve Christ. He had separated himself from this world, sacrificing all that he was and had to be a soldier for Jesus Christ. A soldier totally committed to the mission of Jesus Christ. He had done his time. He had stuck to the mission of Christ to the very, very end. And now he was being released from his service as a soldier for the king, released to go home and to live at peace in the kingdom of his Lord forever and ever. The second thing Paul says here is you must keep the faith. Keep the faith. To keep the faith is to believe that even in the worst of times, God is still working and moving in your life to fulfill his purpose, even when you can't see it. Paul looked after the faith like a good steward looks after the estate of his or her master. Paul, or rather, God had entrusted Paul to the faith. And Paul had proven faithful. Now, think about it for a moment. Think about all the sufferings that Paul went through, the terrible trials, the beatings, the time in jail, the times he could have dumped the faith or laid it aside or ignored it or said, that's it, I quit, I'm done. But he never, ever did. Third, Paul says he finished the race. He says that he had run and finished the course of his life. He completed the race of life just like an, just like an athlete runs and finishes the course of his or her life. It means that Paul had disciplined and controlled his life to the utmost, just like an athlete. He had focused on the course of life and how he ran it. He goes a little bit deeper into this when he wrote to the Corinthian church, and I've often heard it said, uh, you know your church had some trouble if Paul had to write you two letters. And... 
This is the first of those two. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 and 25 say this. Do you not know that in a race that runners all compete, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may win it. Athletes exercise self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable one. So here, in this letter to the Corinthian church, Paul is comparing the life of a Christian to an athlete once again, running a race. And there's a lot of similarities to that of an athlete preparing for and competing in any event and the life that we as Christians should be living. I think we would all agree that it is almost near impossible to run a race or compete in any kind of sporting event when you've not practiced or trained or exercised. It's not only impossible, but it's also very dangerous. If there's a 5K or a 10K race and you've been a couch potato for the past two years and decide, you know, I'm going to do that, and you get up that morning and go out to race, it's awfully dangerous. Because if you try to do that without the proper training, you're going to pull muscles, cause serious injuries to your body, you'll be susceptible to exhaustion, overheating, not necessarily this morning, but overheating. Despite that near impossibility, though, and the danger, there are so many Christians who try to make it through life and their relationship with Christ without much training or work. For some reason, it makes perfect sense to train before you go into a race or train before you do any sporting event and exercise. That makes perfect sense. But when it comes to our relationship with Christ, so many make the decision to follow him and think that, okay, that's it. I'm going to sit back and enjoy the ride. No exercise needed. No training needed. And that is so, so far from the truth. My friends, let us run the race to the finish. Let us always remember why we started running the race in the first place. And therefore be able to keep on running because there is a lost and hurting and dying world out there. And God wants to use you and me as instruments of change and peace and life. Paul goes on to say that running to win as a Christian is a very different thing than running to win just some race. As a matter of fact, he says, those that are running a race are running and competing to win a perishable wreath. But we race for something imperishable. What is that something imperishable? Well, back to the Timothy scripture. In verse 8, Paul writes, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. There is a crown of righteousness. Just imagine this. A crown of righteousness. This is a crown. 
that is not perishable. This is a crown that will be given to those of us who believe by the Lord himself, that crown of righteousness. Because the Lord is the righteous judge. He knows all of our hearts. He has seen every day and hour of our lives. He knows the truth about us, warts and all. He knows where our hearts are, whether or not we've given them over to Jesus Christ. He understands that we are not perfect in this life, but he has given us the grace to run and finish the race. And this grace comes through complete obedience to Christ, complete submission to the will of God for our lives. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to stumble. We're going to fall at times. But if our eyes are on the prize, then God will give us the strength we need to get back up, dust ourselves off, and keep running, going and getting faster and stronger the closer we get to the finish line. Now, none of us know when Jesus will come. None of us know the day or the hour that we will be called to meet the Lord. But when that time comes, and it will, will we have been good soldiers for Jesus Christ? Will we have been good athletes for Christ and his course? Will we have been good stewards or managers for Christ and his faith? The Lord is righteous and just. And therefore, Paul knew that the Lord would give him this crown of righteousness, this imperishable crown of righteousness. He knew that. Are we that competent? Are we that strong? Are we fighting the good fight? Are we running the race? Are we keeping the faith? Are we living a successful life? Just as Jesus finished his race and Paul finished his, we must finish ours. All of us are in a race called life. And the number one goal of our lives in this race is to discover God's purpose and then to do it with all of our might and with all of our understanding. That is exactly what it took for Jesus to say, Tetelestai, it is finished. So, in closing, I ask you, do you want to make your life count for eternity? Finish the race. Do you want to fulfill God's purpose in your life? Finish the race. Do you want to see God's purpose for Manatee Life Church fulfilled? Finish the race. When Jesus said, it is finished, he made it possible for us to finish the race and to finish strong for Christ's kingdom and glory. When Jesus said, it is finished, tetelestai, he made it possible for you and for me to have eternal life, eternal salvation. When Jesus said, it is finished, tetelestai, he made it possible for you to live victorious as a believer. When Jesus said, it is finished, tetelestai, he said, it's your time to finish your race and to finish strong for God's glory and honor. Now, to finish God's purpose for your life in your life, will not happen by accident. It will, not, it will not happen by sitting back and waiting to see what happens. It will not. 
You have to decide that this is what you want and then work to make it happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. I am convinced from God's word that although there are times when God does lead us down a specific path for a specific purpose, his most important purpose for our lives is that we choose to believe in him, love him, and live our lives daily to honor him in whatever way we can. Out there somewhere is a finish line waiting for you. None of us know when we'll reach our finish line. All I know is there's a finish line out there somewhere. And between now and that finish line, I want to live my life fully for Jesus Christ. How about you? That's a good place for an amen. How about you? Thank you. And because he said, it is finished, tetelestai, I want to finish the race he has set before me. I want you to finish the race he has set before you. I want this church to finish the race that he has set before us. Today is the day to begin to run that race, if you haven't already. To begin to train. To begin to work those spiritual muscles and train, and run that race to the very end, to the finish line, and finish what Jesus Christ has started in this church almost 175 years ago, if not more. Because once we finish, we'll hear those words that we all long to hear. Well done, good and faithful servant. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we commit this morning to finish the race you have set before us. We give you our whole life. Jesus, be our Savior, be our Lord, take our whole life, be everything. Because you died for us, help us to live for you. We surrender to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Help us run the race and finish what Jesus has started. Thank you for loving us, for forgiving us, for changing us, and for setting us free. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And now, receive this benediction. Let us go out, inspire love, embrace Christ, engage the world, and tell somebody about Manatee Life Church. Go in peace. Amen. Yeah, be sure to join us next week. Holy Week is next week. And we'll wrap up our famous last word series with Today You Will Be With Me in Paradise as we unpack the depth and practical applications of the final words Jesus uttered before giving his life for us. Famous last words. You can live stream every Sunday morning, 1030 Eastern Time, Manatee Life Church. It's on YouTube and you can also get there by going to our website, and the link to the church website is in the show notes. Also, get social with us here at Soul Ramblings Podcast by going to our Facebook page or Instagram page and like, follow us there, leave a rating and review. We would really appreciate you doing so. And I want to thank you for the gift and privilege of your time today by listening to Soul Ramblings Podcast. I really, really appreciate it. And before I scoot out the door for this week, a last piece of advice. If you believe in goodness and if you value the approval of God, Fix your minds on whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely 
and praiseworthy. From Manatee Life Church in Bradenton, Florida, this has been Soul Ramblings Podcast. See you next week. I'm Jerry Wicker, Grace and Peace. Thanks for listening to Soul Ramblings with Jerry Wicker. Download new episodes every week. And if you haven't already, subscribe and be sure to leave us a rating and review. Soul Ramblings is a Tiki Hut Media production.